of our lips, say, we who are the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. The name of the message is the King in His Beauty. The King in His Beauty. Isaiah 33. Now the setting of this chapter is one of divine judgment and divine mercies. As the enemies of God and of His church are threatened and His people are comforted. We see the destruction of the church's enemies brought forth. Look at verse 1. Woe to thee that spoilest, and thou wast not spoiled, and dealest treachery, treacherously. And they dealt not treacherously with thee. When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. And when thou shalt make an end to deal, to deal treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. Next in verse 2, we see a short prayer of the prophet of God, praying the Lord would be gracious to Israel. Praying the Lord would be gracious to Israel each morning. And let us never forget, as I mentioned this morning, that the Lord's mercies are new to his people every morning. He's gracious to us all the time, beloved. And the true people of God in the time of danger will be preserved. There are people who will display a humble, patient, present faith in God. We rest and we trust in the Lord no matter what circumstance comes. Ultimately, we look to Him. And they reveal their character in verse 2 when they pray, O Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for Thee. They reveal their character here in this verse. They're, not, they're, they're, they're a praying people who make their appeal to God under a sense of need. They're not fatalists. They're not fatalists. Neither are they self-sufficient. No, not at all. They besiege the Lord to bless them, not according to their merit, because they don't have any before God, but according to His grace and mercy. They, tr they trust God. There are people who wait on God. We see that in the verse. We have waited for Thee. He's the one we wait upon. He's the one we trust. And there are people who have a present faith, a living faith, in Christ. And they exercise it every day by saying, be thou their arm every morning. We look, do, do we not look to Christ every morning when we wake up? Oh my. In every step, every step of our lives, we're dependent on the Lord, aren't we? We're dependent on Him. God's people are a dependent people. We're not, we're not, we don't, we don't trust in ourselves. We might have before we were saved, but we don't now. We don't now. We're dependent. We're dependent upon God. Every morning, they're looking up to the hills when, from, from whence cometh their help. And who does their help come from? God. Look again. At verse 2, uh, O oh Lord, be gracious unto us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning. Our salvation also, our salvation also in the time of trouble. He delivers his people constantly. You know he delivers you all the time? Does he not deliver you from your trials? Does he not deliver you from anguish, anguish that you go through in your life? From sorrow? He delivers us all the time, beloved. 
He delivers us from our enemies too. But praise be to God, praise his mighty name, he delivers us from our sins. He delivers us from our sins. And God's enemies, never forget that God's enemies and the church's enemies are are scattered by the power of God. Are scattered by the power of God. Look at verse 3. At the noise of the tumult, the people fled. At the lifting up of thyself, the nations were scattered. Were scattered. And then verse 4 speaks of the enemies of God who came upon Israel. And they were scattered by the Lord. They were scattered by the Lord. And then the Lord's people picked up the spoil of their enemy. And, their, and your spoil shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar. As to the running to and fro of locusts shall he run upon them. Turn, if you would, to Second Kings. Second Kings. This very thing happened to the Syrian host when the Lord scattered them over in Second Kings. Second Kings, chapter 7. Starting in verse 1. Then Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? They were under siege, beloved. They were under siege by a Syrian host. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. Oh, what a statement to that man. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the, sit- it, the, famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, still here, we'll die also. Now therefore come and let us, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Now, there was a host of them a few days before that. Just the day before, there was a host of Syrians. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the, great, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and look at this, and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. They just took right off. But they left everything behind. They left everything behind. And the, look at these lepers. I, I love this. Look at these lepers. And when the, these lepers came to the innermost part of the camp, they, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and remnant and, and went and hid it. They went and buried it, beloved. They went and buried it. They found silver and gold and they went and buried it. And came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Boy, they, they hit the jackpot. Then they said one to another, we do not well, 
this day is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Now the, the, the Israelites in the city, they, they thought they were still under siege. And there was a famine. There was atrocious things going on in that city. <coughs> so they came and called unto the port of the city and told them, saying, We, can't, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And when the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry, therefore they are gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we'll catch them alive and, and get them into the city. They thought that the Syrians had hatched a trap. They thought the Syrians had, had backed off and left all the tents and left everything there. Right? That's what they thought. And they thought, well, these two lepers went out there, or these lepers went out there and they, they found this stuff. Now they're coming to tell us and, and they're trying to draw us out so they can wipe us out. Little did they know that the Syrian hosts had been scattered by the power of God. But they didn't know that. They didn't know that. And one of the servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of Israel's, Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. <coughs> and they went after them unto the Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in haste. They just dropped everything, beloved. They took off. They were scared. They took right off. They took right off. And the messengers returned and told the king, and the people went out, and look at this, and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour, just as, just, as, just as the prophet has said, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. So God's enemies were, were scattered. And the Israelites took the spoil, didn't they? Just like it, it says in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 33 here. Let's look at the next two verses in Isaiah 33. We see God exalted by the prophet, and let us always remember that God's faithfulness is the same now as it was then. His faithfulness does not change towards his people. And God is exalted by his people, by his redeemed people, today, just as he's been in the past. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the Celebi of thy times and strength of, thy, of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Salvations of the Lord. Lord. Salvations of the Lord. It's in and through Christ and him alone. And the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord, as we looked at this morning, is the beginning of knowledge. <clears throat> Look at verses 7 and 9. We see the enemies of God, the so-called valiant ones. They're nothing before the Lord, beloved. They're nothing. His enemies are nothing before him. His enemies are nothing before him. Absolutely nothing. 
And they lay waste to the countryside as they invade, just like any invading army. Behold, the valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man seetheth. He, he hath broken the covenant. He hath despised the cities. He regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth. Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. These, these invading armies would just lay waste to whatever was in front of them. And they would leave behind them a wasted land. The Lord always, though, delivers his people by his almighty power and strength. We saw that this morning in the Sunday, in the AM message. We saw that. And we see in these next verses that our great God shows himself to be above his enemies. Above the enemies of the church. He's higher and greater than they. And he reduces them to a low estate. He reduces them to a low estate. John Gill brings forth this about the repetition of the word now in verse 10. And note that. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. John Gill brings this forth about the repetition of the word now. The repetition of the word now has its emphasis and is designed to observe of God's appearing in the cause of his people and the fitness and propriety of it and to quicken their attention to it as well as to express the certainty of it and the firmness of his resolution to do it without delay. And the vehemence and passion with which he would set about it. Let's look at that again. Let's look at the next three verses. 10 to 12. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. Ye shall conceive chaff. Ye shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as a burning of lime. And thorns cut up. They shall, shall, they, shall they be burned in the fire. Never forget. Never forget this. The Lord will take vengeance upon his enemies. And the Lord will take vengeance upon the enemies of the church. The enemies of his people. People may mock God now. People may mock God's people. But they will not mock him when they see him face to face. No, their cry for the mountains to fall upon them. Their cry for the mountains to fall. And there'd be no hiding place then. There's no hiding place now, although people think that. There'd be no hiding place. Turn to Nahum, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and also put your finger in Romans chapter 12. Nahum, chapter 1, in Romans chapter 12. The Lord takes vengeance upon his adversaries. He takes vengeance upon the enemies of his people who are therefore his enemies. Nahum, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Wrath. This is, this is what the Scriptures declare. The wrath of God shall fall upon his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power 
and will not all quit the wicked. Here, not wink at the wicked and what they do. No. No. Here, not acquit the wicked. And will not at all quit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. That's the God of the Bible. Now turn to Romans chapter 12. And look what it says in the New Testament. Oh my. You know, you ever have people hate you without a cause? As a believer? You ever have people find out you're a believer and then they just don't want to have nothing to do with you? It's not you they hate, it's Christ in you they hate. That's what it is. Look at this in Romans oh, chapter 12. We'll read verses 14 to 19. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. See, the natural thing for, for we to do in our natural state is to recompense evil for evil. Right? That guy got me, I'm going to get him back. But the believer is not to do that. The believers not to do that at all. No recompense evil for evil. No. As a matter of fact, we're to, we're to heap coals of blessing on their heads, aren't we? <laughs> Pray for them. Pray for them. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in, in, in the sight of men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now look at this verse. Dearly beloved, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now here's the cause of most unrest. People taking upon themselves to avenge a wrong that was done to them. And again, it's, it's in our nature to be like this. It's totally in our nature to be like this. But the believer is not to be like that at all. And what it says there, and it says give place to wrath. That's what, that's what it means when it says give place to wrath. When, when, when you uh, render evil for evil. We're not, to be, we're not to do that. We're to resist it. We're not to brood over things. Someday God will settle all accounts. All accounts. Look at that verse again. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. My, oh my. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Lift them up in prayer. Pray the Lord will save them. It's a fearful thing to hand, fall into the hands of the mighty God. 
Do not let evil men and evil thoughts dictate your course of action. Do not let hatred and hard feelings get the better of your Christian principles. Do not let evil revenge displace the divine light of forgiveness. Look at verses 20 and 21 in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The exact opposite of the natural man. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He takes care of things. And think of this. We don't get what we deserve. We get mercy. We get grace, we who are the people of God. My, oh my. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 33. The power and might of the Lord is on display in the destruction of his enemies and the destruction of of the enemies of his church. It's clearly evident and set forth before God's people so that both far and near shall be forced to acknowledge his almighty power, his might and his power. Look at verses, look at verse 14. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fear, fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with a devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Verse 14 here speaks of false professors. False professors. Within the church, they're called hypocrites in this verse. The verse continues, Who shall dwell with everlasting burnings? The hypocrite will not withstand the wrath of God. Will not withstand the wrath of God. They're perishing their sins. Righteously, and in verse 16, He shall dwell on high. Look at that. My, oh, my. Look at verse 15 and 16 here. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him, and waters shall be sure. Note, righteously and dwell on high. Remember this morning's message. He's the one who's bought us out of the bondage of sin to bring us in, into his presence. We've been delivered from our sins and are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and one day we're going to dwell on high. We're going to dwell on high forever only because of what Christ has done. Brother Roy and I were doing a devotional tonight and I love what the, what the, what the writer wrote. He said, he was talking about the saints going home to be with glory and he said, when they're released. I like that. When we're released. <laughs> released from this body of sin. <laughs> oh my. Isn't that wonderful? What a wonderful way to to look at, look at receiving your promotion, as Brother Norm says, to be with the Lord. <laughs> graduating, as Brother Norm says too, I like it. He always says, the believer receives their promotion and they graduate to be with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You're released from this body of sin.
beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, and the believer is going to dwell on high forever. They're going to be in the presence of the King of glory forever. Note in verse 15, he that walketh righteously. You know the only way that we walk righteously is in Christ. That's the only way. Clothed in his righteousness. That's the only way. <laughs> That's the only way. Clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of Christ. And he is the only one who walked righteously before God. And he did that for us. He did that as our substitute. And he is our redeemer. He's the redeemer of all the elect of all the ages. And he's the one we look to. And by faith we walk, looking to him, don't we? Every day. Look at verse 16. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rock, rocks. Bread shall be given him, and his waters shall be sure. The true believer in Christ dwells in safety. Absolute safety. Doesn't always feel that way, does it? But we do. In contrast that to the hypocrite who we looked at earlier, who's built themselves a refuge of lies. Contrast the hypocrite with the believer. They have a refuge of lies, and the believer is safe in the place of defense, and that's Christ. That's Christ. And he shall be as the munitions of rocks. Well, this speaks of the safety and security that the believer has in Christ. He's our high tower, beloved. We're safe in the rock of ages. In the old days, they used to build, they, they build places of safety on high rock outcrops so that the enemy would have to climb up or somehow scale up, and usually they couldn't even make it up. And all who were up there in, the, in that high tower area were safe. That's what this is speaking of. The munitions are rocks, safe, above, looking down upon the enemies. Now God's people are safe in the rock ages, aren't we? The Lord Jesus Christ, we're safe in him. We're safe in him, beloved. He's our defense, and we're, we're safe in him. Our defense is Christ. He's our strong tower. He's our high tower. He alone is our refuge. He alone is our place of defense. And look at the end of the verse 16 here, and how we know this is true. Christ is the bread of life for us, isn't he? He's the bread of life for us. He's living water for the believer. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. John Gale brings forth that this speaks of Christ in his fullness and the spirit of his grace, the gospel doctrines and ordinances of it. The believer may be assured of a supply from Christ's fullness. The grace of the spirit is never failing, never failing, and is preserving. And gospel doctrines and ordinances are not deceitful brooks, not deceitful streams, but they yield comfort and refreshment. Does not the gospel, is the, is the gospel not a, a stream of refreshment for us who hear it? We come to drink and feast on the word of God every week, don't we? Yeah. And, and we're refreshed by the word of God. We're refreshed by the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the bread of life for us. He's the bread of life and he's the water of life. God's people, his born again blood washed saints, by faith see Christ the King. In all his beauty, 
All his beauty. Oh my. The scriptures proclaim this. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 6.35 Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. We'll read verses 13 and 17 in light of, in light of verse 16 here. I'll read verse 16 again. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. And look at this over in Revelation 7. Verses 13 to 17. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said, he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Beloved, this, this life is the great tribulation. Oh my. Is it not for us? It is, isn't it? It's a time of tribulation and trouble. Brother Norm brought that out in his study on Revelation. I thought it was magnificent. We go through so much in this world. Do you know that this world is the only tribulation we're going to face? The only tribulation we're face. As I said this morning, the only sorrow we're going to face is here in this world. There'll be no tribulation in glory. None at all. None at all. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the robes, they're clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Christ. And it's his precious blood that was shed to redeem our souls. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. And shall lead them into living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It's wonderful. Now let's look at verse 17 in Isaiah 33. And this is our main text for this message. Look at this. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. This does not speak, beloved, this text does not speak of the earthly king of Israel. No, no, this speaks of a greater than he. This text speaks of a greater than he. This is a proclamation of King Messiah. The Lord Jesus Christ, in the glory of his person and office, especially as king reigning gloriously before all the universe. Isaiah, remember, got a glimpse of King Messiah, of the Lord Jesus Christ, in his glory before he came in Isaiah 6, when he saw him high and lifted up. And, and what did Isaiah proclaim as a result of that? He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He saw the holiness of God, beloved. And he saw his sinfulness. He saw the king. He saw the king. And God's people, his born-again, blood-washed saints, by faith we see Christ the king, don't we? 
We look to him. We look to him. And we see him in all his beauty. We see him crowned with glory and honor, don't we? Oh, by faith we do. We see him as the only suitable Savior for sinners, which he is. Which he is. We see him triumphing over all his enemies. He's a conquering king, victorious. Victorious. Remember the the demons said, we know who thou art, thou holy one of God. They, They knew who he was. He rules with righteousness, beloved. And he's beautiful to his bride. He's beautiful to his bride. She's enamored with him. And consider him in his beauty. Consider him in his perfect righteousness. Consider that he's full of grace and mercy. Consider that our Lord is full of compassion. Consider that he is perfectly holy and yet rich in mercy. Consider that he is supreme in majesty and yet infinitely gracious. Consider that he's full of wisdom, full of power, and that he's ever faithful to his people. He's always faithful to us, isn't he? Always. And marvel. Marvel at who he is. And is it any wonder then that he's beautiful to his people? Is it any wonder? No. When we consider who he is and what he's done for us, oh, we see the king in his, in his beauty, don't we? Is it any wonder that the believer sees him in his beauty when he has saved us from all our sins? By the shedding of his own precious blood? Is it any wonder that the believer sees him in his beauty when he's all our justification before God? Is it any wonder that the believer sees him in his beauty when when we have the forgiveness of all our sins? How? By the substitutionary life and death of our great king dying in our place on Calvary's cross? Is it any wonder that he's beautiful to us? Is it any wonder that the believer sees him in his beauty when he, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, satisfied the law and justice of God in our place for we who are sinners? For we who justly deserve the punishment that fell upon him in our place. Is it any wonder that we see him in his beauty? Is it any wonder that the believer sees him in his beauty when he has bought us out of the bondage of our sin so that we can be in glory with him forever? With that in mind, look at this verse again. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. My, we seek a better country, don't we? We seek a better country, beloved. Oh, is it any wonder that the people of God see Christ in his beauty? 
the King in his beauty, know, beloved, the bride of Christ, the elect of God, proclaim, my beloved is white and ready, or ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. No one even compares to him. And by faith we see him in his beauty, don't we? But there be a day when we will see him in his beauty face to face. A time's coming. A time's coming for every believer. Listen to what the scriptures declare in Isaiah 32, verses 1 and 2. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. And princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as in hiding place from the wind, in a covert from the tempest's rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadows of a great rock in a weary land. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. Behold the Lord Jesus Christ, the king who reigns in righteousness. Now look down at verses 21 and 22 of chapter 33. And we see again the Lord proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah as king. As king. Look at verses 21 and 22. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Oh my. He's the lawgiver. And remember, he's the law fulfiller. The very one who gave the law fulfilled the law for his people. The Lord's our king, isn't he? He is. He will save us. He did at Calvary's cross, beloved. Oh, he did. Never forget that our Lord is king. He's king of his people, beloved. He's king of the universe. He alone is king of the saints. At one time, the people of God in our natural state were rebels against this king. But we who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God and washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we gladly own him as king, don't we? We gladly own him as king. We who were rebels, now we bow to him and we bow to his sovereignty and we gladly, gladly own him as our king. It is he who has saved us. It is he who has saved his people from their sins. Let's close looking at the last verse in this chapter, verse 24. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. The inhabitant here spoken of is the inhabitant of Zion or Jerusalem, which pictures the church. We see that spoken of in verse 20. Look upon Zion, the city of Samaldi. Thine eye shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. The church of 
of God, the elect of God, those who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God are made free. Made free by the Lord Jesus Christ. We who were far off are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Wonder of wonders. Again, we who were rebels in our natural state are made servants of the king. And we're willing servants too, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Oh my. And we gladly, as I said, we gladly own him as our king. We've been bought nigh. We've been bought nigh to God, beloved, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're cured from the leprosy of sin, beloved. We're cured from the leprosy of sin. How? By Jesus Christ the righteous. By Jesus Christ the righteous, who has healing in his wings through his precious blood. Look at the verse again. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Sin is the sickness brought forth here and again is cured by, by Christ and Christ alone. By forgiveness in and through Christ alone. Now we still have the presence of sin with us now. Well, we're here on this earth. But marvel at this. Right now, the believer in Christ has full forgiveness of all our sins. Full forgiveness of all our sins. We've been shown mercy and grace in Christ. And God says your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake in the scriptures. For Christ's sake. In and through him. The scriptures declare that this is the people, in light of the latter part of verse 24, the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Think of this, I'll put my laws into their hearts and in their minds and I'll write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's what the Lord says about all his blood-washed people. Their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. Why? Because they're bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's purchased us with the shedding of his precious blood. And we have a full, complete atonement and redemption and salvation in and through Christ alone. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he hath saved us. Mercy, beloved. We get mercy. And the king mentioned in our text is the very one who came to this world to redeem those who are his bride. Could you imagine that? A king dying for his servants, for his people. That's what he did. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. He died for his bride. And he purchased us, beloved, with his own blood. He purchased his bride. He purchased those he's loved from eternity. Called in the scripture, the elect of God. Chosen by God in Christ before the foundation of the world, based upon absolutely nothing in us, all by the grace and mercy of God. Wonder of wonders. Let us leave here 
and ponder this wondrous salvation that, that the believer has in Christ. It's truly wondrous. It's truly wondrous. It's of God's, remember too, it's of God's planning and by his purpose and by his power that we're delivered. Salvation is of the Lord. Is of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your goodness and mercy and grace toward we who are your people in Christ Jesus. O oh Lord, we thank thee. You are so beautiful in our eyes, O oh Lord, our great King, our great God. And is it any wonder that we love thee, O oh Lord, for all you've done for us, for all you've done for us. You who are King came to this world and died in our place. Paid everything that, that your own justice and your own law demanded for us. You, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Glory to your name, O Lord. May we think upon these things, we who are your people. May we think upon these things this week. And may it just cause us to be carried away in awe in wonder at the greatness of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.